welcome to Canberra Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, owning your glow, which is a version of living in your light or your soul's free expression. Here to discuss the power of owning your glow is global artist, Sir John Barnett, a dynamic force in the beauty and fashion industry. You've seen his work as a makeup maestro on icons like Beyonce, Naomi Campbell, Mary J. Blige, Serena Williams, and many, many, many more. Welcome, Sir John. It is such a thrill to get to chat with you, and it's been too long. Hi, Barbara. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here and uh, happy to take it with you in the audience today. Um, I just, anytime we get to spend together, it's, it's a blessing. So I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Well, I love this topic of owning your glow because you are someone who, every time I've ever seen you, you are always a glow. So uh-huh. what does that, uh, I mean, oh my gosh, just the, this just smile. You're really lucky that your smile and your eyes smile with you. It's, it's beautiful. So with that, what does that mean to you? The notion of owning one's glow? Owning your glow. Owning your glow for me uh, means uh, to, to hold space, to, hold, to be anchored in yourself. And, and so for when, I, when we think about a glow, it's not usually always something that's topical or physical. For me, a glow, the glow up, as we say, you know, where I'm from in New York, uh, is it's internal. You know, it's an inside job because beauty is a feeling. You know, I, I've been working in this business for 22 years now. And uh, since like, you know, I picked up my first makeup brush in 2000 and I went to school for art and art history for such a long time. But Working in cosmetics industry, I've realized that it's not, you know, beauty is not something that you put on, but something that's inside that, you know, sweeps into to a room. It's how you make people feel, you know, what positive or negative or whatever that looks like, whatever feeling you leave with people um, when you're not there. So that's that's uh, how you hold space and take up space and and continue to um, to glow. I guess that would be it. Mm, okay, I love that it's an inside job. It's part yeah. of the essence to me of camera readiness. And it starts with how you want to feel on camera, which is different than looking. And I always say it because you can't separate from your your being from your doing. And that's what you just addressed that, you know, right. So it doesn't matter because you could have all the most perfect makeup on, but if you're not feeling it internally, and it's the same way we we see all the time there, you know, people's out a stitch of anything on their face and just radiant, right? Oh my God, yeah. You know, looking sun-kissed and and to your point, mm-hmm. to your point, uh, Barbara, it's one of those things where, you know, I love the space that we're in. And when I say the space that we're in, I love what's happening 2021 uh, going into 2022. And there's like a different uh, juxtaposition of, you know, what we saw we need to, to, to accept ourselves and what we lean into now. So when I say that, uh, I think social media is so democratized. And the people have the power to make big brands, you know, pay attention to make body positivity a thing, uh, inclusivity a thing. People want to feel, you know, champion in all different directions. And if they don't, they have the power to, you know, take their attention or their dollars elsewhere. And so I just love that we're being led by positive change and positive movement uh, that's coming from the belly of culture and not from the runways or the red carpet. I feel like that's no longer modern movement, you know? So um, I just, I think that we should also lean into a temperature check. You know, when we think about glowing, a glow is you know, usually when you see your reflection in a mirror or narcissist or whatever that looks like, but no, a, a real glow is how, what's my vibe giving? You know, what is my vi- my vibrationally in alignment with myself? So um, when I say doing a temperature check, I lean into myself a couple of different times throughout the day. 
And I also encourage my clients to do the same before a big job, before a Coachella or a Super Bowl, or even a personal, you know, date or with their husbands or boyfriends, whatever that looks like, check in, you know, lean into how am I feeling? How am I processing? What am I, is my body telling me? And then you become a bit prettier and shinier and glowier. <laughs> I believe, I hope. <laughs> oh, amen to all that. I mean, just everything that I just think that was like the Sir John webinar right there. Wow. So, and you know what else I want to acknowledge that was really wonderful is the positivity because we talk about this a lot, but you know, negative headlines sell papers, negative stuff is clickbait and gets people to connect. And so there isn't enough discussion about the positive aspects of social media and the idea that there are alternative narratives that are really positive and that people are taking back and redefining. So one, thank you so much for addressing that too. Mm -hmm. Is there anybody that just springs to mind besides your fabulous self who's actually inspiring you in that space? So you're like, yes, go check them out. And that these are, this is, you know, people My leading the charge or empowering. <laughs> mm. My sister uh, keeps me in check. You know, she's a younger generation than I am. So always comes into the office with fresh eyes, really honest. I think that we're looking, Gen Zers are led by, you know, it, when, even the way they shop, the way they, you know, go about the world, they look at things. Does this brand have the same values as I do? it's not about, you know, this is work or is this fashionable? What's in alignment? You know, it, it, does this align with the values or how I see myself, how I want to see myself? Um, and so that keeps it honest for me. But I think that I don't necessarily look at anyone except the women in my life. Really, the women in my life are the inspiration I have. <laughs> they keep me in line. They keep me uh, inspired and also with my ears to a really good emotional pulse of what's happening, if that makes any sense. Yes. So one of the things I'd actually in my list of questions I wanted to ask you or to acknowledge was how much I am aware that family matters to you. Well, you know, the thing is, um, I grew up with a really strong mom, single mom. So my mom is, you know, my best friend. She's like the she's like the pinnacle where a lot of our values come from. And she, she I still hear her in my head now. <laughs> and even though I'm grown, I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be 40 next year. Uh, but my sister, you know, I really wanted her to work with me and she loves, you know, working in the creative space. She's a producer. And so it just, it just feels right. And also, you know, just, yeah, keep it in the family. And I have a really small family, so it's not a lot of us. Um, and then, uh, you know, I have my, my partner, you know, William. So we, yeah, we just vibe off of each other and, you know, and then we go back to our big projects. I just shot Ivy Park this week. We're prepping for a big job. But a lot of times when you're in a creative space, you need opinions that are not like your own. So I don't want anyone around who is like, yes, yes, or, you know, maybe, no, please push me. I'm, I'm looking to be pushed. Even as right now we're going into, you know, working with some brands. I'm a creative director at L'Oreal Paris, and I also work with other brands. And the thing is now I'm even realizing that some of the terminology in the cosmetics industry should change, like anti-aging, you know, or concealer. <laughs> Why do we want to conceal? Like a lot of these holes that were put into us. Um, really happened from that Mad Men era of marketing that told you you needed to buy something to feel whole. So a lot of, you know, what the work that we do, not just here in the office, but anywhere is like, hey, listen, let's strip away the filters. Let's help help women or people, he, she, they, and her, let's take away these filters. When I say filters, not Instagram filters, but all these filters, like when we look in the mirror, Barbara, you know, anyone, doesn't matter if you're a supermodel or if you, you know, my, my mailman who I know we are always bombarded by all these layers that don't allow us to connect to ourselves tr truly and love ourselves. And that could be a gray, that could be hips that were larger than they were last year. You know, all of these things are filters. 
Uh, and why don't, you know, why don't I love my little 11? <laughs> I was told not to, you know, or, you know, rosacea. I was told that that's not char charming or flattering, whatever that looks like. So getting back to a neutral space is really kind of the goal we have here. My brand just when I try to kick out to as many people as I work with. Yeah. That was like the owning your glow manifesto. So I love it. And thank you. You just tapped into so many of my flashpoints because I have a conversation with my 11 every morning and every night before I go to sleep. <laughs> But wow, but then the other thing is like the bigger reframe, and this goes back to what you were saying too about people redefining the conversation on Instagram and a bunch of different spaces was just even like, I'm from an older generation, right? It doesn't even occur to me to question certain things like anti-aging or concealer. And you're right, it's like, I've been, it's so baked in to my consciousness that I stopped even to think about like, why do I say that? Yes. It's not, it's, I want to enhance. I don't want to feel, but I'm not denying who I am. I've been just taught to your point my whole life to be like wrong, bad, fix the thing that's wrong with you yes. instead of celebrate all the things that are awesome about you. Yes. So we want to age. We want a pro age. We want a glow age, you know, but oh you my know, God, glow age. Own it. That's a, what a great product. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're onto something <laughs> right there, oh but no, you're God. right. You know, I think we should also question wholeheartedly. If, if, I know we're going to talk about prior, we talked about 2020 and its influence and questioning everything, question everything. Also, if you have children, if you have you know nieces and nephews, social media is so hard on a younger generation. And so, you know, mental uh, illness is up, uh, suicide rates are up and all these things because we're questioning and we don't have the answers to back it up or to feel, to fill this hole that was put into us, you know? That would be something that I would say is to just question and reimagine uh, what it looks like. Oh, I love that as a really fabulous segue. I'm going to get back to that in one sec, but I do want to now fill in the blanks. How did you pick up a, a makeup brush for the first yes. time? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the way I picked up, so I went to school for art since I was six. Uh, and then my mom, I remember, so I was tall and, and lanky <laughs> and I didn't, I was not athletic at all. And so I'm um, so obsessed with color and painting and drawing at home. And so my mother used to get butcher paper and you know, tack it on the walls in my bedroom. So I would come home to walls that were just paper and I would have all these art supplies and I would just make murals. So she collected them. I just thought she was throwing them away and giving me new paper. And she brought them to a performing arts uh, school, Buffalo Academy for Visual Performing Arts. Got into there and, you know, it really allowed me to flower, uh, you know, having seen, hearing saxophones in the morning or, you know, everyone on their way to dance class, this class, you know, I just loved it. And then um, I graduated, left Buffalo two days after I graduated went to Atlanta and I started working for Mac when I was 18, uh, my first full-time job. Uh, and they transferred to my, that's my dog. Uh, they transferred me to New York when I was 19 because I had like high sales in the Southeast. Uh, and Wait, I can I even interrupt you? Let's not what, whatever, because now I'm seeing transferable skills and the soft skills and your warmth and your glow. I have a feeling I would have bought so much stuff. Maybe I didn't need or whatever. Anyway, I get it. But I just want to acknowledge that. I, I know that you're very humble, but I just want to point out to everyone. It's like, these are, you're clearly very talented, but the thing is that the soft skill side Thank that you. and yeah. why you're so good in sales soft and skill. why it's so skill. young and to be wow. And so open. Right, that you were like, I'm gonna lean because I could have that must have been a little bit scary. Oh, god, it was scary. It was scary. Found myself in New York, uh, not even 20 years old. I, I slept on a friend's couch for, uh, for like a couple weeks until I found a place, and I had a couple roommates. And so, I basically I got fired at Mac at 23 for being late. 
Uh, and I just thought my like my world was over. I didn't know what I was gonna do. So I started to do the uh, windows. I, I was walking past Henry Bendel's. Shout out uh, to the era of Henry Bendel's in New York. Anyone knows? On Fifth and Fifty Six. So I saw this, these guys taking all of this beauty, these trees and everything, into the store. So I just went up to one of the guys. And I was like, Hey, listen, I'll, uh, can I do this with you guys? Like, what do you, you know? What is this? I didn't know it was visual merchandise. I didn't know people went to school for it. Uh, so he's like, yeah, come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. You're going to spend the night in the store like we all do. But I just thought it was an amazing way to create a vehicle. So I basically quit makeup for a, a little while. Um, and I started to do the windows at uh, Bergdorf Barney's, uh, Henry Bendel. It was the men's merchandiser at Gucci for a while, Madison. And then I was like, you know what? I need to make a little bit more money. So I started doing makeup in a strip club in Queens <laughs> called Riviera. Shout out to the girls. Shout out to Rivies. And they got me through, you know, um, I was doing that for a while on a lunch break. And I ran into an old friend at Mac and he's like, his name is Jadim. He's a makeup artist in New York, fashion makeup artist. And he's like, Sir John, uh, I want you to meet Pat McGrath. She's an amazing makeup artist. She'll, she travels all the time. The New York shows are coming up. I was like, Pat McGrath, who's that? Like, I didn't know. He was like, Brian Park. So I, I knew Brian Park. <laughs> I knew the tents. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. Sure. I don't have anything, you know, so whatever. So I went back to the club and I told the girls I had this amazing opportunity. Oh, before that happened, I went to, I went to the show. Sorry, I'm going to give you too much. I went to the show, had a great time. Uh, I did a great job, I guess. Pat McGrath asked me would I be in Milan two weeks later for the Italian shows. Now, at the time, I didn't have a passport. I didn't have really a way to, I didn't have it together. But I said yes. <laughs> and I went back to the club at night and I was talking to the girls and they were like, I was like, I got this cool opportunity, but I have so many bills. It sounds fun, but no. So I came back the next day and they had a jar of like 2200 uh, $2,200 in symbols and fives and stuff. And they so they twerked me all the way to Milan. My first passport stamp was uh, Milan. And I, so I remember the first show was Dolce, Dolce and Gabbana. And then after Dolce, Pat sends me to Naomi's hotel room at the Bulgari, Bulgari uh, in Milan. And I just like got thrown into it. So I was her assistant for a while. I met Charlotte Tilbury, um, uh, who's from London. And she's been literally such a great, like, hover over <laughs> teacher in my career. And she was the person who introduced me to Beyonce at 2010. In 2010, at Tom Ford's first women's wear show backstage. Uh, uh, you know, she's the one who taught me how to do a great interview for the press after the makeup. So I was always so obsessed to hear, how does this artist translate this look to all the editors? So I would always stay after the shows and never just run and just leave because I just want to see how they handled it, you know? That's kind of how I started. First of all, so I'm watching the movie in my head as you're describing it. It's so fantastic all the way to like, you know, the $2,200 in the jar. This is so great. Wait, so bear with me audience because I have to stop with this. You spent the night in the store? Is this like night at Bendel's? Oh. Is it like night at the museum? Oh yeah, babe, it's, it's the whole thing. Okay, I wanna hear all about this. This is so, so exciting. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So okay. it was so fun actually, it really was. And, um, Roberto Santana, who's the director at Henry Bendel. So one thing I loved about Bendel's is that they really had so much fun. In New York, anyone who's from New York or visits New York during the holidays knows the windows are ideal. You know, we, we would come in at 7 p.m. I think we would get there at 6.30 or 7 p.m. And we would leave at 8 a.m. So basically we would do that shift. We're, we're building furniture. We're building like tufting sofas, like uh, creating, creating a completely different uh, environment, you know, from scratch, weekly, daily, nightly. And so our, we were the night shift, we were the night people. And miraculously, the store is a different store when you come in in the mornings. 
I mean, don't you think there's a movie, there's a holiday movie there that just made I, it I so amazing? Like, right? <laughs> what? Kim Cattrall was in one called, was it, who was, Kim, she was in- Oh, Mannequin. Oh, Mannequin, that's no, no, fire. No, but, yeah, but you know no, what I mean? Like, okay, that's really fabulous. But then I also, okay, so what an amazing story. Do you ever stop and think about what your superpowers are that propelled you that, you know, someone like Pat McGrath, who, by the way, I wear her lip balm every day to Charlotte Tilbury, the best mascara I've ever used. Yes. But why one person after another and that and and how you build trust. I mean, I know this from knowing you, but I just want, do you ever stop and think about what those superpowers are and, and sometimes how you explain? Because you were open to learning. I know that you're humble. You've got great energy. What else? Uh, <laughs> oh, what, what, would, what would the superpowers be? Okay, so this is the time to not be humble, I guess, right? That's so, right, humble, humble brag, humble brag. Humble brag. I think my superpower is um, I love, I love, I love to love in the, in the words of Donna Summer. <laughs> and so I do love to change the energy or a, a creative vibe. I'm a vibe person. I just love vibe. I love music. When I come to a, a job, I travel now to jobs with a subwoofer. I bring my own speakers and, and <laughs> I travel everywhere. Anyone who knows me, if we've been on vacation, you know, I come with speakers. And because I love music, we get up and we start with Nat King Cole in the morning, you know, some jazz, whatever that looks like. We're, we're going to go somewhere. We're going to take you somewhere. And so for me, a lot of the, the reason why I possibly am here is because I loved being an assistant at first. Like when I was an assistant, you can't lead until you can effectively follow, you know? And so I knew it was really important for me to, to be in these spaces and to not have the pressure that the key artists had. So I was, I loved, I was the best assistant. I would, I knew what they needed before they needed it. I just, I loved it. And I, that's how I met all the editors. I met all the models at the time. Um, and it was, you know, it was one of those things where, a lot of people don't necessarily want to do that any longer or be an intern or an, or an assistant or an apprentice because they want to just get there. They just want to just microwave, you know, society wants you to just be that. And but uh, the, the blessing in my career was to be able to carry luggage <laughs> and then graduate to doing body makeup before they uh, was allowed to do faces and just learning all that stuff along the way. Okay, I want everyone to stop, rewind, listen to that over and over and over again, what you just said, incredible. Because so many interviews I hear with people do talk about, there are no shortcuts. Yeah. So many people talk about- 10,000 hours, baby. <laughs> whatever that was, right. And for every artist that you work with, right? All that rehearsal to go out there and make it look easy. Rehearsal, right? I, we live in rehearsals, <laughs> you know? Like I've learned from my clients, if I learn anything from Beyonce, it's she watches every she watches herself after every show just knowing the lighting you have to know you know as a as a makeup artist i know lighting i don't want to say better than but you know you have to not just know what you do but all these other disciplines all, all these other things that impact your space you should know like a great producer knows what i do really well to be able to time it you know so just stepping outside of yourself a lot of people who are you know in the business of you know makeup or hair or styling come into a place where it's it's them but it's really not you, you know, you're creating harmony. Um, and hopefully as we talk about superpowers, creating harmony is, it creates, it makes you a destination, you know, as you should be a destination in terms of energy. And if you can, it translates all around the oh, world. God. Oh, I love it. I, so questions for you really quick. Do you yeah. have like the Sir John playlists up on Spotify? So I get what the I whole do. thing is. <gasps> I, have one, I have a couple, so I can send you, I have a couple different, uh, I did one for a magazine that, we worked with recently, but I'll send you that one. And also I have a few different curated things that for different times of the day, different times of the year, if you're traveling, if you're in an airport, so I'll send you all that. 
Oh my God. Love it. Thank you. And I do want to acknowledge it's like you and Beyonce are an amazing collaboration. Like this is a, you're a duet. Well, she, I, I don't think I can say I wear a duet because she does all this singing and dancing. <laughs> no, but she's been, um, she's a, she's a, she's a light, you know, she's, she's a, a massive light in the galaxy and that illuminates all of us who are working around her. I've learned a lot, a lot about just discipline and, uh, you know, owning, having autonomy to your work, knowing how to create amazing content, owning your own content and just uh, owning your own voice, you know, standing in it. I've been around some really strong women like Serena Williams, you know, is, is so strong and shit, my mom, <laughs> you know, look no further. Well, I just, you know, segueing on to voice and it is a part of owning your glow. I really noticed uh, last year during Black Lives Matter, I saw the shift in how it was really subtle, but I saw some stepping into your glow and just the power of your voice kind of a little bit unleashed in a really amazing, impactful, beautiful way on your social media. I don't know if you were aware of that, but suddenly the purpose got broader, maybe? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm going to keep it so real, uh, Barbara, and I, I believe I called you around this space just because when I think about the space that we were in, our end now, like there's, you know, when I say our end, because 2020 influenced how we are living today in so many different directions, even this virtual space that we're in. But you don't want to be an activist. You become activated by wanting to mm. speak up. And so when and speaking up, you know, comes from a place where I was nervous at first. I remember Eric Garner uh, was, you know, the Eric Garner choking and he died in New York years ago. And so when that happened, I walked to Grand Central Station. I laid out in Grand Central with my brother, like, but I remember I just got my L'Oreal contract at the time. And, you know, I, Twitter, there was Twitter only, not Instagram. But I wanted to speak up about what was happening, but I was so scared that all everything would be taken away from me. You know, I was like, okay. And I was really, it was really bothering me that I couldn't say something, speak up, or just like say how unjust everything I saw was happening. So right now, the space that we're in and with 2020 was such a gift for me and all of us in some way is the ability to, I just feel like, you know what, you, can, I'm the, if, if it's, if you can't take anything from me at this point. And when I say that, it's not about me being in some a magical space or ivory tower. No, if whatever falls away was never, was never mine, whether it be a relationship, a contract, uh, a licensing deal, whatever that looks like, as long as I'm being honest and I'm being true to myself and true to my community, we have to do this. We have to take this there. And, you know, a lot of people, I remember at the top of 2020, everyone's thinking that, oh, I don't want to hear, you know, in style or a makeup artist or a fashion designer talk about anything political or anything that's happening. But we're Americans. We're all citizens, you know, and they're not mutually exclusive. You can talk, I can, I can talk to you about, you know, a great moisturizer or a chemical pill, but also we can still have a conversation that goes deeper than that, you know, or that penetrates or, uh, and it doesn't always have to be digestible and palatable for communities that are not affected. And so for me, it's like, okay, I know that I'm in a space where if I can't say, if I can't speak up, a lot of other makeup artists won't be able to be in this space. So I, I got to do it. And so it's, it's one of the things where, you know, that's why I talk so much about allyship and not just being an ally, being an accomplice. And when I say that, an ally is great, but it's, 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 at times it can be performative, you know, at times it can be mm. a situational or it, it's like a, an umbrella that you want to wear through the rain, but real, you know, being an accomplice or really being in there in terms of an equitable space between, between friends, between brands, uh, between the, you know, colleagues, whatever that looks like, it's deeper. And so, 
yeah, I don't want to get too deep, but um, I, I just, I, I love speaking up and I think that I would to hopefully want to represent my community in the best way, just like people who came before me, James Baldwin, Toni Morrison, and they were writers, but they, but when we look at Josephine Baker, she was part of the resistance, you know, in terms of uh, the World War II. So, so many artists over times, you know, over the decades or the years have used their artistry to create uh, space to have, a, to, to people have a voice. See, I think that is part of the essence of owning your glow, right? And how do you, because you're showing up and you're radiating from the inside out and my ability to receive that message from you. Did you feel a shift inside? I was nervous. I was scared, Barbara, because I was like, I was like, I was, I, when, it, when it first, when everything first happened, I, I literally took my truck. I went to the grocery store. I just remember, remember seeing people walk through my street with signs and, I was, and I've never seen anything like that. Ever. And I'm, you know, and, and that's the beauty of being in America. If you're somewhere else, if you grew up in, you know, South Africa or Pakistan or any other place, you see turmoil, you see things happening. But we've been cushioned in, in our country. Um, so when I saw that, I was like, whoa, okay, so I'm gonna go and get waters. So I filled my truck up with uh waters for all the protesters, and that's what I was doing for a couple of days. And then I was on the front lines every day, um, and making sure that I hold brands accountable and just making sure that. I just, I just, I had to be there. I had every, every, every protest, every, you know, and, and it happens. And when I, in a lot of people during that space, I heard, I had a lot of friends who, who in that space, we, we go to these beautiful dinners, the Emmys, all the, the Globes, all this stuff. And we just never realized that sometimes everyone isn't equally yoked when it comes to some kind of moral compass. Um, and so I saw a lot, I saw a space where a lot of people who I've known and worked with for such a long time, they're just not so much, there's not so much that they care about inside if it doesn't affect the, the boat that they're in. There's no hole, hole in their boat, they're fine. And that's not, this is not me, it's just not the way to be. You know, I started talking to the brands. I started making sure that every company that I worked with, any, any set that I went on, is a, that was a diverse set. Um, every company that I worked with, we we're either gonna start a diversity board or we're having, we're movement toward making that happen being cultural advisor in certain spaces and so and I still do that and that's kind of like my calling now and um but representation is so important and so uh, I say all that to say this that it's really important for people to see themselves younger people to see themselves growing up normalizing you know being in a space or being here or being there seeing you know uh an equitable mosaic of what the world looks like in advertising all these other spaces you know so that's my fight and that's what gets me out of bed in the morning and make up some vehicle to get me in the room <laughs> to talk about diversity and inclusivity. <laughs> Sir John, God bless. That's incredible. Cause not only like identifying something, but stepping in and doing the work and saying it's, it's, yeah. it's on me that I, I I'm going to participate in making it happen, but there you are changing the story. Yeah. You know what, what's, what's kind of crazy about the story is that, so I went to Streeters. So Streeters is an amazing agency. Um, she's on, on, on the same agency, Pat McGrath. So I went to Streeters and it was a you know, beautiful fashion agency, but I would go to work day in, day out and never see anyone who looks like me. Like I would go, I would be on set 70 people, you know, on day after day after day, all of these jobs from lighting to the key grips to, you know, every portion or part of this thing that makes this happen. And everyone was white. And, and this is in 2000 and, you know, 2006, five, <laughs> eight, nine, 10. And it's like, but I live in Manhattan and we live in New York. I live in Harlem. And so as soon as, it's at, you know, on my lunch break, or as soon as I go out of the Pier 50 Studios, I see a mosaic, a multi-culti in every different direction I'm looking at. Such a beautiful mosaic of people. 
it started to chip away at myself at, in my 20s. And just, it, I didn't feel like I was supposed to be there. Um, and then also, you know, the fashion industry likes to continue to hire the same people season after season after season. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I want to go. My mother always told me something, go where you are celebrated, not tolerated. And so I felt like I was kind of tolerated in the fashion space. So I want to go where the people are. So if I, I made like a more of a commercial move in that space, and that's when L'Oreal Paris came, you know, knocking. And I, I've been with these guys for a long time. I think, I believe between myself or Peter Phillips, he's at Chanel, but I have had the longest cosmetics contract of any makeup artist ever. And, you know, they've been great to me. And so in allowing and pushing me to be, to speak more, speak up, Sir John, you, it's, a, it's fine. As much as you want to do in that space, we support you. And if they didn't, and that, and that, that would be cool too. <laughs> but uh, I do believe that's why also I moved to LA. You know, I just wanted to, I love the people and I love being connected with the people. So I closed this or minimized this space where I was so concerned about fashion or, or you know, the powers that be or making sure I had this cover or that, whatever that looks like. And, and going into making people feel connected with themselves. And I knew makeup was the tool to do that. Okay, okay, beautiful. I one I have to acknowledge. If I, I think I may want I to talk do a lot. Okay, first of all, Chatty Cathy's here with you. But I love the connecting, creating opportunity to purpose, right? So it's like go where you're celebrated is a version of go find opportunity and connect it to your purpose so that it makes right and you're you're showing up and making an impact in the world. Incredible. How do you know your so the thing is when you uh, how do you know your purpose? Mm, that could be a whole other podcast. One is to stop and actually, it's a meditative exercise. And sometimes it quite honestly takes a lot of prayer and invite these answers to come to you. But starting to think about the things that bring you joy that you see mm. making an impact on the world, right? And so this is where I get it is that I started to understand that um, I'm chatty and helping other people communicate. Yes. So to be like, that's my little, that's my purpose, right? It's like when I help people do what they do, when I do what I do well and help other people do what they do better, I, people like you go out and change the world. So I realized, oh, that's what I'm here for. And it's just like an honor that there's a version of that, quite honestly, from um, Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, wow. When she talks about in the, the pray section, when she's in India and at first she wants like some really serious, you know, what she thinks is a weighty spiritual job. And she keeps beating up on herself because she doesn't get one of those. She's the greeter at the ashram. And she feels like that's way low on the totem pole. And that's, a, you know, doesn't really have purpose or value until somewhere along the line, uh, someone points out to her, no, you're the greeter because you make people feel welcome. It's wow. because you're outgoing and warm. That is your gift. That is connected to purpose. That's what gets people to come in and feel safe and trusted. It's like a wow. like light bulb, amazing moment. Cause she was like, I want to be going around saying deep things like, no, just go be you, be you, do what you do, showing up with light in the world. So. Okay. And I love what you do. And I, I, can I, I have to talk about how we met. We met in 2016, 15, I'm sorry, 2017 or something like that. And so I was, uh, on a show, I was on a show called American Beauty Star at the time. And I was like the Tim Gunn, but I was really, I was dealing with some nerves. I was dealing with nerves. I don't really, I'm not a scripted kind of person. I really work well if I have some bullets or you let me flow or we can have an organic dialogue. But being on a script every day just was really minimizing my, I just felt so small in that space. And so I remember that Ashley Graham uh, gave me your number and she was like, hey, listen, I have this amazing woman and she's a coach and go talk to Barbara. So I remember having a conversation with you 
and you've helped me so many times. And so even though we're here right now, I'm still like, I want to flip the, the tables on you and ask you all the questions that I need to know for my life right now. But uh, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> First of all, so much love to Ashley, who is just such a warm and, and like generous, incredible woman who's helped me so much in like just self-love. And then um, thank you for remembering that, right? Yeah. And that, it, that uh, you were okay to receive it. It is so much about finding your voice and your genuine voice. And, and maybe now that connects the dot, how I could see so much the evolution to last summer mm. when you th threw that away. You said, mm. I reject the cultural... Yeah. pressure that says I have to be this person yeah. and said, mm -mm, no, I don't. So, and you know what the funny thing is, as we talk about, we talk, you know, we talk about owning your glow or, or holding space, speaking of space, this digital space, even though I love people and I, I would love to, I like, like go to uh, IMATS or BeautyCon and I love having masterclass all around the world, but something about a Zoom, not, not with me, you and I, but when I'm on like a Zoom with 15 people I don't know or a presentation, I literally, I, I, I get anxiety. And so anxiety was new for me in this digital space, but I, was, I had to talk to my therapist, like why, why do I have a problem connecting with virtual meetings or presentations? And he's like, because you're not getting the same cues, the physical, mm -hmm. even when someone just leans in or crosses their leg or nods, that doesn't happen when you go into a Zoom. It's so transactional. It's like perform for me, you know. Usually, when you go into a presentation, and I just wasn't there. So, I'm. I have a, a date with you soon to still unpack on how to be better in that space because I, I fall short. That's deeply insightful of you, though. That's 100. I happen to love Zoom because I've been here for such a long time. I mean, I've been on Skype since like 2009, and the only reason I say that is to remind myself it is true that. Uh, people get really stiff. I'm, I'm just, you know, slinking down in my chair. And um, but so thanks for mentioning that, because it is the idea that how we show up, right? And to think about uh, showing up for others, because I do think that what you just have to do is so many people in meetings, and it seems intrusive, and other people have actually admitted to me one of the reasons they don't like Zoom is because they multitask. And they're not showing up fully present right in typical meetings and on phone and conference call and suddenly being on camera meant like you had to be present and mm -hmm. just stop and sit around and think about that that what we're resenting is the fact that i it's calling calling me out on checking out and what you were saying too is a very specific thing is what your therapist said was so spot on is that it, when we communicate in person it's three-dimensional we have we can read energy mm -hmm. and so many cues and so inherently on camera whether it's through a zoom call video tv linear digital, doesn't matter. Uh, that's two-dimensional. And many, many messages are missing. The energy is missing, which is one of the reasons why you have to be more on. But we yeah. also think of it like a dimmer switch, how on or not, right? Because yes. you don't want to be on a Zoom call and like performing for the back of the arena, yes, yes. right? Ah, the cheap seats. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, the cheap seats, yeah. about used to say. Or the, yeah, where the real fans are. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. So yeah, it's also, that's part of it's like mindset technique and practice. Uh, but you're really well said, because I happen to love this. It's also, it's like, to me, it's an introvert's dream. I'm just like in my mm. office, surrounded by my stuff that I love. I'm in my happy space. This is yeah. great. And I can see why other people are like, meh. Yeah, no, I hear you. That's a good point. 
for anybody who doesn't know, because it's really amazing when you were talking about being a global ambassador for L'Oreal and congratulations on doing mm. that longer, having that kind of deal and contract longer than anybody else. What does that entail? Mm. Because we hear about these things and we aspire like, man, I would love to have a deal like that. What do you do? What do we do daily? What do we brainstorm? Where do you show up? Where do you not yeah. show up? Right, right. So, okay. So there's a couple of different ways to do it. And so when I say a couple of different ways, different brands are going to look for different things from you. So L'Oreal is a huge, massive brand. Uh, they're they're going to need a, small, a different level of engagement or commitment uh, or days from me than a smaller indie brand if I was creative director. Of. So um, being at L'Oreal, what it looks like is they have me <laughs> a lot of times that I know they have me for vibe. I hate to say it. But no, we, we, we represent them in ways where I know that L'Oreal is the sponsor for the Globes and for Emmys. So we have we have make sure we have presence there. They also, you know, make sure that I start to talk about all of the new technologies and things that are coming out with all of the editors. So I have desk sides and desk sides are when, you know, anything that's coming out new or any questions or concerns when uh, I do a lot of their press. So I'm always on the phone with beauty editors or talking to the PR firms about innovations, technologies, um, how you can apply this in everyday life, how, how to make something that is seemingly, you know, a run in the mill mascara, how do we make it even more impactful? And so, and you know, they corner the market on mascara. So I just want to make sure I'm kind of like the translator in a way, if you will, but between uh, the celebrities, the models, the real people and the brand. And so I'm kind of like the middleman that brings Intel into different directions. But uh, I just came at, and it was just kind of cool because I've loved these guys for a long time. I went to Paris recently and they had me walking in a show. I'm not a model, um, but it was kind of, it was fun because I really enjoyed what it was about. It was about uh, combating street harassment. And L'Oreal Paris is really, really, really keen uh, on getting that message out right now. So that's what we're focused a lot of energy on. They also have something called Women of Worth. And so for me, I love this initiative because it highlights women who are changing the world by just waking up every day and doing badass things, whether it be reading, I know one woman uh, won a war for helping get rid of gender mutilation in Kenya or something like that, um, or saving you know kids from not getting shot in Chicago between the three and four o'clock hour is the highest body count, you know, who would know? So so a woman who, who was a cop, she made her house into an after-school program. So just those kind of things, they really compel us to still make sure that uh, people know their worth. Yeah. That's incredible. I'll make sure to include those links in the episode notes. For a fun thing to close on though, what did you do? What was it like for you backstage just seconds before you actually walk out on that catwalk, <laughs> right? Uh, it was fun. You know what the thing is? I knew that I just came there to just be myself. <laughs> so I wasn't, I didn't have the nerves of like, oh, you know, no, cause I'm not walking in, the, in here to be a model. I'm just happy. I'm just a, I'm a, just a guy <laughs> and, you know, in a cool outfit and I'm just going to be just this guy from Harlem. And it, in my head, that was that I had some really cool people backstage. Just go out and just have some fun. And, and afterward, have some champagne. Looking ahead. What's, what's 2022 and beyond for you? I will be creative director at another. So I'll have most, you know, how some designers are at Fendi and, uh, you know, at Vuitton or, so I'll be in a couple different spaces. Um, but I'm, I'm going into wellness. Wellness is the most important thing for me. Um, I have a brand and we're, I, don't, I can't talk about it too much, but I do want people to know that it's definitely loving your body from the inside out. Um, and so that's the most important thing to me is, is the brand. It's called version of self. You know, we have, there's mm. so many different versions of ourselves that we're supposed to present daily. 
but we don't need to be the best version of our, what is the best version? You know, it changes throughout the day, throughout the week, you know? So just giving people tools to make themselves uh, more connected and healthier. And so that's cool. And also, um, you know, I still love my partnerships with things with Barbie and, you know, the, everything that comes in is kind of fun. And if it's not fun, we find ways to make it fun or make it interesting or compelling, you know? So, but as long as I can continue to stay connected to the people, um, that's more important to me than a paycheck. You know, it's nice to get paid, but I really, your, your value is, is measured in my opinion on, uh, you know, how, do, how does it, how does this community feel about you? What have you done to move the needle? Not just, you know, fiscally or in terms of a career, but emotionally for a lot of people. So that's the space that I need to occupy and magnify. Mm, that's a beautiful purpose, Sir John. Will you come back when you're ready to talk about the anytime. brand? Oh, anytime. I will thank be. Thank you. Anytime. 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 Okay. Anytime. And so thank you so much. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Camera Ready and Able. If you would like to learn more about one-on-one -on -one coaching or a custom workshop for your team or company, skip on over to ableintermedia.com and shoot me a note.